Hello and welcome to Sounds from the 70s. I said that long time. Sounds from the 70s. It's going to be a spirited show. <laughs> With Gary and Rob, also known as Shuggy Two Ships. And we are still coming to you from the Will Somebody Quarantine This Damn Place Winchester Building in the downtown metropolis area. Today, Rob. Rob, Shuggy. Today, <laughs> is the last episode in our look at Country Divas of the Saiventais. Country Divas. And we will review today Tammy Wynette's 1976 album, Till I Can Make It On My Own. I always I always think that it's like the Rodney Crowell song, <laughs> Till I Can Gain Control Again, which is everybody has recorded that song. And... I shouldn't have picked the album just for that because it screws me up. But, but but the album is called Till I Can Make It On My Own. Once you get past that, it's fine. Or I'm going to screw my head on. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what was that? I'm going to take my head, screw it on right, <laughs> and no man's going to tell me that it ain't. <laughs> and then, Livy Wolfson there. Livy Wolfson. And then, <laughs> and then uh, what? Uh, Bill Needle. <laughs> no, well, yeah, Bill it. Needle. But then, uh, sorry, we're talking about the SCTV skit here. And then I remember John Candy coming out from the from watching it to play, <laughs> and he goes, "Bad, it's just bad." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to come out saying after your play opens. Just it's just bad. <laughs> On the topic of which, I got one trivia question. Uh, Andrea Martin and SCTV did um, um, uh, I remember a uh, commercial for a uh, country music singer uh, that she cried the whole way through. Uh, who was oh, the uh, Connie Francis. Connie Francis, yeah. yeah. That's who was being advertised at the uh, time. Yeah, that. Uh, I actually thought it was... Uh, that's funny. That's really funny <laughs> you mentioned that. Because Tammy Wynette did run through my mind when I was when working on the script during the week. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, is this... Did Andrea Martin play Tammy Wynette? Because she looked like Tammy Wynette, but it wasn't. It was the hairdo. Yeah, you put on that hairdo. kind of hairdo and... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so before we get to all of the Tammy Wynette Country Diva stuff, we have to say that we are still operating from the Winchester building because it is a business building and a lot of important businesses, not us, not us, <laughs> no. are operating here. So the people who work here are allowed in the building. I guess we constitute people who work in the building. But not we, visitors. We do a kind of work, yeah. Not visitors, and strangely, as the sign says at the front of the, at the front of the building, no Jews. No Jews. <laughs> <laughs> now, I guess Mr. Winchester is slightly or greatly anti-Semitic, because <laughs> do you know, Rob? And this might surprise our listeners, but do you know what famous person was also anti-Semitic? Ah. Uh... John Wayne? Might have been. Might have been. Maybe not, though. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> I, you know, the things you find out when you do a podcast about the 70s, about 70s music, <laughs> is somehow you find out about previous history. And yes, Adolf Hitler was anti-Semitic. To quote George Carlin, the more I hear about this Hitler fella, the less I like him. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying, though, is that you could draw a comparison between Hitler. Oh, I got a, I made a mistake last year. I got a microphone closer. And 
Hitler and Mr. Winchester. <laughs> I hope he's not listening, but he knows. You know what? Well, if, if you're you anti-Semitic, you should be proud of it. Draw people. So you shouldn't be mad. Yeah. Right? Be yeah. proud. Be proud. Be loud wear that proud. flag or ribbon or whatever you self-identify with. Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> wear that ribbon of bigotry on you. <laughs> it's kind of a butterscotch ribbon. Uh, Mr. Winchester is still out of... Well, he's out of isolation because... He's, He's back free. from Europe for more than two weeks. Yeah. Uh, from the coronavirus, uh, he was in isolation with Mrs. Winchester, and that is oh, that is no easy no task. No getting out. <laughs> because they were in Europe. I bet you some gardening got done that week, and the snow's still on the ground. So <laughs> when all, and so they both of them came rambling back home. But still, we have not seen Mr. Winchester in the building since he got out of isolation. And that alone is pretty cool. No, I haven't seen him for uh, three months. Well, we're actually not supposed to be here technically. But you know what? We're risking our lives for our fans. Yeah, and that's what's important. Our fans knowing that we're risking our lives. Plus getting out of the house for a couple hours. Yeah. (laughs) I judge the risk. Uh, I'm a hermit. You're a hermit. I think we'll be yeah, okay. we're not. We we don't talk to people, so we don't uh, can't contact the virus because uh, people seem to alleviate from us. And I'm getting to that right now. Yeah, we were kind of like. This. I'm going to get to that right now, Rob. Right now? Yes. <laughs> you better get to it. You'll explode. Yes, I know. I I kind of lost my place. Oh, I also also want to get. Um, an update on our producer, Uptown Mike, if anybody gives a shit. Uh, he does not have the virus, uh, but for unknown reasons, and we don't know because they're unknown. He's still self-isolating? <laughs> he still won't come to work. Okay. <laughs> Which doesn't affect the quality of the show at all, uh, but makes our lives here much happier. Well, he could just run a clock. Just uh, I got that, uh, That'd be great. He's kind of a cock. What do you say? Just a <laughs> clock uh, for uh, telling us uh, how much time we got left. Oh yeah, that's the, about the only thing he's good for. He doesn't even do that. So yeah, that's where you get the money. Uh, we hope everybody's safe out there. We joke about it, but uh, we're just joking to uh, put some levity to the situation. That <laughs> it's not exactly funny, but <laughs> we hope everybody's safe. But we good we, one. we do hope every we do hope everyone is safe. Uh, obviously, so. Uh, and we are safe in the building. Uh, in the building, like here in the Winchester building, uh, there is, of course, everywhere there's this social distancing thing of like six Yeah, feet and this is a place in the building nobody really gets to. Or as my last girlfriend called it, our relationship. <laughs> Proper relationship distancing, yes, yes. <laughs> she, called it, she called our relationship a social distancing relationship. And my, my ex-girlfriend always said, whenever we go out to functions, to stay at least six feet away from her at all times. From each other. Yes. You can go near other people. So I think I think she knew about viruses a long time ago. <laughs> or uh, maybe she was giving me some sort of message. It's as I've known. <laughs> this doesn't change things for us too much. <laughs> and uh, we get that here too. Like the, uh, you know, the reception girls uh, were always giving us a nice, comfortable six feet when talking to us. And uh, at first I was uh, kind of... Uh, thought that it was really rude, but now they were just practicing yeah, what to do ahead of time. Yes, getting ready for the plague. Getting ready for the plague. <laughs> getting ready for the plague, which hadn't even existed yet. <laughs> That's how smart the girls here are in the building. <laughs> um, in France, 
where our friend Bora Bora is, they no longer have to force people to wear deodorant because of the six feet rule. Get it? They have to force them. (laughs) That joke is, I know some people are, are offended, French people, but that's for our friend Bora Bora, who would love that joke. I'm getting a mental picture of them enforcing it before. They have a law that says, please wear deodorant, you stinky Frenchman. Uh, (laughs) uh, I just want to say that our friend in Petty, Bora Bora, will be on an episode very, very soon. Just warning all of you, (laughs) in case you don't want to listen to that episode. He's fire. He's, you know, he's fire. He is. I wish he'd catch on fire, but <laughs> currently he's fire. Now you, of course, you spent a week there on one of our weeks off in France because he yeah. gave you a ticket to uh, Paris, and it was quite an uncomfortable and unpleasant experience. It could have been worse if he'd focused his full negativity on me. <laughs> it could have been worse, but fortunately he could be easily distracted by things around him that he could get mad at. And... You know, you know, you know, Robert. That those? having dinner with you is a lot like uh, farting a rope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you actually take a rope and you fart it out your ass. <laughs> it's very unpleasant. And that's what dinner with you is like. Yeah, he's a good guy. That <laughs> he's he's, a, he's, he's got a, a lot of issues, but he's a good guy. He's earthy. He's, he's very earthy. That's uh, what back in our day in the uh, 70s and 80s, that would we would call uh, a person who's an asshole <laughs> when they say he's earthy. Back in the old days, uh, yeah. <laughs> earthy is a euphemism for asshole. You know what time it is, Rob? Yeah, it's uh, 8.33 in the morning. And uh... oh, God, if we did the show at 8.33 <laughs> in the morning, I would I would barely be uh, like, I'd have a whisper. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? We gotta try one. Of these days. <laughs> I would not tolerate one sentence out of your mouth. <laughs> hey, how about that? Okay, I'll try. <laughs> it's time for odds and ends. Odds and ends. Oh, that's right. This is where we uh, sew up all the things that have been sewn up in the past. That's right. Very good. Last time is yeah. not found again. And I'm glad you know the theme because uh, for about uh, four months there, you didn't know what I, I was didn't talking. know. Now it, it took a while, but I learned. Okay, odds and ends. <laughs> I like that. Okay, now it's odds and ends. You have my permission. Uh, you should do that more. I like that. You know, and now it's okay. Oh, it's odds know. and ends. Yeah, go. It's odds Just and ends. Just do it. Go. 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 Hurry. Uh, we want to tell you that even though our country divas theme Deep. ends today, we will not be taking a break next week. Even though I wanted to, and Me so did too. Rob. Yeah. <laughs> because. I don't know why, but uh, we're not going to. We have an extra special after-school episode next week. And I will give you one hint to look forward to. You ready, Rob? Um... We will be reviewing the rarest and most obscure album so far on our show next week. Now, I think it's the rarest and most obscure because there's a lot out there. But I don't think anybody knows about this album. But it's going to be, uh, I didn't even know, I know everything about the 70s, and I didn't even know about this album. And it's also a tribute to somebody. It's a very special episode. Uh, we don't usually do this kind of thing. But uh, since it would kind of blended in with our country divas, we thought we'd just add a week to, to everything. And it's going to be really cool. And then, Rob, Rob, I'm Rob, listening. 
we will take a week off. Uh, I don't believe you. And then we'll be back with our, I think it's going to be longer than four weeks uh, because, well, it just because some things have happened, um, sadly, that we might have a couple more albums in our request albums. And then summertime hits and it may be too hot to do the show for a little while. Too hot to do the show. Well, maybe the show's too hot to do. <laughs> this show, show is just getting too hot. I have to take a break. I gotta stand back. I gotta <laughs> cool off. So we'll be doing we'll be doing four special request albums from our listeners, and we and then I think we might be adding two albums. So it's going to be a whole month and a half of of no theme, no theme albums. Just just albums that four that the people have picked. Two that that uh, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but uh, two that you might tell them. Yeah. I'll tell them not, what they are when not. the show starts, because it'd be rude to do a whole show and not tell them what the was. <laughs> Stupid. I'm um, thinking we got four listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, also, like I predicted, Rob. Oh. There are still no right answers to our trivia question. I told you I'd skunk them. I told you. I, I'm I'm not gloating, but I told you even last week after I forced you to give them a clue. Yeah, forced <laughs> like you accidentally gave them a clue. I don't know what it is. That's why I'm shooting in the dark. Actually, Rob doesn't know what the answer is because I haven't told him because he would say something stupid like he did last week and kind of give it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was you. And I'm not away. saying that, that what you said was right. I'm just saying, like, don't give clues. You know, whether <laughs> they be right or wrong, don't give clues. Okay, there's lots of, we've had lots of guesses, but we've had no right answers. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you guys next week, which is our special episode, and we're going to give you the the off week to correctly answer the question. And if you can't answer the question by the time we come back chopper, chopper. for our special request uh, week, a month, month, then uh, you lose. You Contest lose. is over. We win. You lose. We How win. do you like that? And you know what happens when we win? You people have to do what we were going to do. You, every listener, has, has to, to send, send us, us a, a shirt. shirt. <laughs> oh, that'd not, be great. And not a nice, and it has to be a nice one, not a cheap one like we were going to send the winner of, of the contest. You have to actually get, everybody has to get us. And like, or you can all contact each other and and get together and buy us each a shirt, you know, by combining your money. If Mind you, you if you've got one that says... But that's a hell of a lot of people. <laughs> that's a lot of people getting together. They can't do it. They're not organized. Uh, they need a leader. All answers, again, to the trivia question. And I'm not going to give the question. I hate giving the question yeah, because it's yeah. so complicated. But I should, though. No, don't. Okay. All answers, again, can be sent to... Uh, oh, I, I, I did it again. I wrote it wrong again. Wrong tab? I caught it this time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds from the 70s at gmail.com. I'll repeat that. Send it to sounds from the 70s at gmail.com. All one word, obviously. And uh, mark it uh, contest. If you could mark it on the, t- on the headline contest, we'd be happy. And uh, if you want to hear the question again, please just go back to one of the previous freaking episodes and hear it because it really is. I have to open up another tab, and Rob knows how much I hate no. to open up another tab. 
I get to hear about it every time. <laughs> it's a tub. He does. You click a button, uh, the computer uh, page changes. That's it. <laughs> no, this is a source of consternation for my. Uh, for about five minutes before every show, it's like, how many tabs do I have open? Oh, I got to open up another one. Oh, and then he hears me bitching wine for the next two minutes. <laughs> How it happens during the show. So, Rob, tell us about work this week. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a show killer right there. Um, all requests for album reviews, as usual, can be sent to the same address, but please headline it. Uh, requests. Requests. <laughs> I got I got stumped by my own smartassness. So remark that requests and uh, no Grateful Dead. So, anyways. We're going to move. What'd you say, Rob? No, 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 Rob. Hold on a In second. In which direction? We are not. We are not. But it's legal. We are not prejudicing against any band or artist. If you want to send in uh, a request from the Grateful Dead, please feel free. Rob, don't don't do that. Don't don't hate. No Grateful Dead, Rob. <laughs> hey man, there's only one person here who's closed his mind to the dead. That's you. <laughs> I've closed my mind to the dead. Blues. I love that. Blues for Ella. That sounds like a guy you in a horror movie that's about to die because, hey man, you closed your mind. You're the only person who don't exist. I tell you, closed his mind to the dead. Yeah, in the next second, he's his he's brains dead. are being eaten. <laughs> <laughs> now your mind is open to the dead. How do you like that? Hey, hey. <laughs> I love it. The script, write it down, Rob. So it's time. Oh, I forgot to do this before the show, Rob. I apologize beforehand. I don't know how to correct this. Without, it cannot be corrected. Without, uh, we'll have to wait till next show. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? We have to wait till next week. No. Is is our next? Is this our next segment? <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot. I almost swore at you right there. Okay, sorry. So it's time, Rob, for Baba. Don't take no mess. Yeah. Really? Uh, I got it right this yeah. time. Yeah. You know what it's time for again? I forgot. What time is it? Baba, don't take no mess. I love that. <laughs> but because <laughs> thanks, Rob. But because we're talking about, I can't legally say that that way, like James Brown, because. Of the James Brown there. estate will sue me, so Rob always has to say. But because we're Make talking about me. country music today, we're going to make it more rural, and I'm going to say it here, and it goes, this is how it's done just for today. It's, now I'm your papa, so I don't want you giving me none of that back talk, you hear? No miss. Okay, you Rob, you say that now. Well, I'm your papa, so <laughs> I won't give me all that back talk, y'all hear? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I shifted more. I the, actually tend to think you would do it. I shifted more to the boomhauer end of the spectrum there. <laughs> I'm sorry, people, but I really like Rob. Almost always goes, "No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> he did it. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> oh, another one. You're kind of getting silly, and you know what? Don't get silly. Uh, <laughs> but that was funny. Today, I will be talking about the three major forms of country music in the '70s. Which is, oh, I did forget a tab. Son of a you bitch. You forgot a tab. I did forget a tab. Well, I was at work this week. And <laughs> no, I'm not, not, when, I'm ready, <laughs> when I'm ready to get the tab, uh, you can do that. Okay. So there are three types of country music in the 70s. Country Politan, which we, I will describe in a second. Bakersfield Sound and Outlaw Country. And I'm going to tell you about each one. Oh, and no bluegrass. 
Didn't have Korea? Because it's own it's its own form of music, so piss off. If you if you're saying what about bluegrass, it's like, you know what? Don't don't crap my style. They're you know, too right? snooty even for the country. They're fans. too snooty. So what I'm gonna do is uh you know, Rob, could you talk about uh, the country politan uh, for a second um, music sound that came out of Nashville in the seventies. Think of a fiberglass; it gets in your clothes, and you just itch for a while, and uh, you take a shower, and you can't get that out. Uh, it's going to be there for days. You definitely uh, that's gotta, that's why they call it country politan, Rob. Burn your clothes, yes, because of the fiberglass. Before they used fiberglass, uh, they only had uh, cloth rags and um, torn up paper. That's what they used uh, for country politan. It was also popular ice cream in the 70s, country politan. Thank you, Rob. Now, I'm going to describe. Now, it's either it you know, started. You deserve what I give you, but the listeners don't. <laughs> Poor listeners. <laughs> uh, country politan actually started in the late 50s at being called the Nashville sound. Now, the Nashville sound was was a lot of it had to do with uh producer chet atkins and rca records they it's very slick slick production pop music type of production but overdone pop music uh uh classic examples uh one of the first persons to start uh with this this nashville sound was jim reeves in 1958 with very ballad type songs with very little uh steel guitar just strings and then uh, of course Eddie Arnold and uh, those types of songs lots of strings they it's funny because they tried that Patsy Cline also they, uh, crazy sorry uh, <laughs> they tried that with certain people like they tried that with Willie Nelson for the whole time he was in Nashville they put a producer on him and they said here we're gonna put make the Nashville sound and and put a whole bunch of strings make your song sound like these songs yes exactly and he he stood for it for like about 10 years and then he just left Nashville went to Austin and said I'm using my own band and and that was the start along with some other people of course the the outlaw country movement uh it's a much by by people who love traditional country music and it's much hated but country politan as it became known in the 70s became very popular and then it, it transformed into the music of dolly parton in the late 70s like we covered uh the with her album crossover crossover pop yes and kenny rogers mm-hmm. who i think is great and just passed away unfortunately and uh, a lot of people that i like actually uh, like glenn campbell who i've actually listened to every glenn campbell album. i've heard uh, i've heard that cat can pick guitar he is both a great guitarist and I think he can sing anything and I've listened to all his albums and the the one thing about his early albums is yes have these strings which really drown out a lot of these. drown out a lot of it but his voice and his songs make up for it whereas with a lot of other people who were just relying on outside songwriters and stuff it just made it sound like really sappy and really very uncountry to be honest. Yeah, and actually, I don't yeah. consider Glenn Campbell all. This may be controversial. I don't know what if it is with country people, but I don't consider Glenn Campbell all that country. He was actually very pop orientated, with a, a little bit of country tinge to him. So uh, he he's a, to me, Glenn Campbell is in a category all his own, and a good one. And 
So that basically is the Nashville sound, a very sweet pop sounding type of amalgamation of, of, like I said, we said country and pop. And what we're doing today with Tammy Wynette is a good example of the Nashville sound or the cosmopolitan sound. Almost anything that you do that, uh, that heads toward the pop end more than a country end, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, because when we were listening to uh, Loretta Lynn, she was more on the country end there. Yes, she's more traditional country. I don't remember <clears throat> very many strings on her. Yeah. No, I don't remember a lot of steel guitar. And uh, Well, there was a lot of steel. That's what I hated was the steel guitar. See, they eliminate, they like to eliminate the steel guitar in, in Cosmopolitan. And, and replace, replace it with strings. strings. Yeah. And you heard that throughout the whole album, there was steel guitar on hers. And yes, very traditional instead background. of strings. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we call, that's honky-tonk. Um, <clears throat> it's actually called honky-tonk, traditional country which we're not approaching because it's just it's very 60s and Loretta Lynn didn't move too much in the 70s. She was still doing that traditional honky-tonk music. Speaking of honky-tonk, that's that's a lot of what uh, the Bakersfield sound is. Now we're getting the Bakersfield sound, which was developed in the mid to late 1950s in and around Bakersfield, California. Uh, like the two types of music that we're going to be talking to at the end here, the Bakersfield sound and the outlaw country sound very rock and roll type of uh influence and both of them that's why they appeal so much to the rock and roll listener why they will cross over yes actually the bakersfield sound is the sound that is on the early country rock records like the birds uh with their oh, sweetheart yeah. of the rodeo mostly they're doing the bakersfield sound yeah and it was the first uh it was really the first genre of country music to be really influenced by rock and roll. It relied more on electric instrumentation rather than, of course, strings and everything. And it had a backbeat, which... Yeah, it was against the rules. Yeah, they didn't even have... You know when the when uh, the birds appeared on Grand Ole Opry, of course, they were booed. <laughs> they were booed for a couple of reasons which we won't get into that we'll, we will cover that story when we cover in the, the future when we cover the yeah in the future it's a very interesting story but one of the things is that they had a drummer if you had a drummer sometimes they, they would ban you from Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> of course that doesn't happen anymore but that's how close-minded they were back then about this was music. the uh, yeah well you, you get a music it's an institution you can't be uh breaking away from that institution yes it's, sir you're right it, it goes against the institution and things will fall apart the biggest proponents of the bakersfield sound uh was buck owens and the buckaroos who were just great um and well they're the two people i think of the most buck owens and merle haggard were the bakersfield sound as far as i was concerned and there were other bakersfield country artists i uh i don't really am not really familiar with their music um i have a list but i'm not really familiar with their music to be honest with it'd you. just be another tab it would just be another tab <laughs> But what's interesting is the Bakersfield sound evolved and is still going strong, especially with the with the late with the middle '80s with people like Dwight Yoakam and Marty Stewart and the Mavericks. I love the Mavericks and also Dwight Yoakam, and it 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 still resonates a lot. And it even resonated in Britain. Britain is where the beat. That's yeah. the, what the Beatles played. 
The I noticed a lot of yeah. stuff reviewing. Uh, the, uh, they had number one hits in uh, North America, but uh, you don't see too many number one uh, country hits in uh, Europe. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the Beatles were big country fans, and there were country fans, but they didn't. It wasn't a chart busting thing in in Europe. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean I remember Ringo doing one I heard today, which was uh, "Act Naturally." Yes, "Act Naturally," and even the the songs that they wrote. Uh, <laughs> there were a few of like them. Drawing a blank, you know, songs that are deep in the albums, like "I Don't Want to Spoil the Party," and uh, "What Goes On," another song sung by Ringo. They had they had country influences and the Bakersfield sound all through all through their very much their early period. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Yeah, is actually very uh, <laughs> very much of the Bakersfield sound. <laughs> If you want a good example for Rob of the Bakersfield sound in rock and roll, it's a song he actually sings, yeah, Far Away Eyes by the Rolling oh, Stones. Oh, the Far Away Eyes, yeah. It's a great example of the Bakersfield sound. And um, so we'll kind of leave that. You kind of know what the Bakersfield sound is and what it evolved to. Uh, and the last one. Sounds a little more twangy. The more twangy, yes. Twangy. Very good, Rob, it is. Yes. Not syrupy, twangy. Yes, very right. And... The last one is is my favorite. I just love this. It's one of my favorite forms of music of, of anything. It's the outlaw country. It's when they just, said screw you establishment. It really did. That's why I love it. <laughs> we're it's, doing what we're gonna you do. You could call it rebel country music. We know we're gonna get no support from you whatsoever. Exactly. In fact, the contrary. <laughs> it's the music that was so anti Nashville that almost the the beginners of the of the movement of outlaw music were outlaws themselves moved outside of nashville <laughs> to do it not because they were forced out but because they basically said screw you nashville every studio we go to says they we have to do weren't like going to get any cooperation there exactly and so willie nelson moved to uh you know the austin fort worth area and waylon jennings got the hell out of nashville got his own band he wouldn't let waylon jennings for like 12 years use his own band <laughs> and all that's all he wanted. He said, I can get my sound if you let me use my own band. <laughs> nope, we don't do that here in Nashville. So he said, screw it. I'm going to where Willie is Willie is, because Willie said I can do my that's just true. Willie said I can do my records the way I want to in Austin. So I'm going there. So everybody kind of moved out. And the early outlaws, like I just said, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, man, those records are good. Those records are as good as the best rock. You know, really, those records in the 70s by these people were amazing. Chris Christopherson, oh, my God. Uh, Johnny Cash, of course, who, I mean, I've listened to. Rob knows I've listened to all of Johnny Cash's albums. I'm a huge fan. And that's like 110 albums. <laughs> I love Johnny Cash. He is, he is just as rock and roll and pop as he is country. And that's in a good way because he's all three of them. I just want to say I've noticed in um, uh, our studies of country music here, Country music um, uh, songwriting tends to be like uh, picking up a whole bunch of darts in one hand and then chucking them all at the board overhand, rather than throwing one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a very... If you can the understand what Rob said, it actually makes a lot of sense. I think when they go <laughs> to outlaw country, they tend to specialize and work on songs a little more. Well, the outlaw country, yes, uh, that is a good point. And they, like I was saying in the previous two episodes... It was they they operated very much in a rock and roll sort of framework about the album is important, not to release three albums in a year, but let's get this one really good. Do it let's, really, yeah. Let's even do themes, and that's where the concept 
actual concept album. It was all those, uh, the, the whole hippie line of thinking. Yeah, it was 60s, a whole, yeah. It was infecting everything. And that's why the hippies absolutely loved, like, Willie Nelson, which still stands today. Yep. And they loved Waylon Jennings, and they loved Chris Christopherson. All the, all the rock people said, this is, hey, this is just as much rock and roll. Maybe not. It doesn't have the backbeat, but it's um uh, the the content, the uh, the lyrics, the lyrics, uh, the attitude, everything yeah. about it is very rock and roll. And rebellious, very, rebellious. Yes. That's what you hear in early rock and roll. That's what you hear in outlaw country. Exactly, and I just love outlaw country music because it is, it is so screw you. <laughs> it really is. You've got this sound yeah. that everyone has to sound like, and uh, I got this sound in my head, and uh, mine's coming out. Oh yeah, and these guys that started. Hey, they they end up they they stay true to what they did for their whole careers. You know, Waylon's gone unfortunately, but he stayed true to his music. He never, you know, he never wavered from from playing his outlaw country and and all these people. Chris Christopherson's still out there. One of the best concerts I ever seen was I saw Chris Christopherson in twenty twelve. Oh man, he was good. Just his guitar. Oh. And uh, of course, Willie's still out there. I hope he's still out there by the time the show is, because <laughs> you never know with Willie. He's like you know 102, so you never know. Um, but they're still sticking to their guns and they're still doing what they want to do. Of course, we've lost. As I said we've lost some along the way, like Johnny. And I mean, Johnny was gigantic. Johnny was the Johnny was the next face on Mount you, Rushmore. <laughs> you tried telling Johnny Cash what to do. He punch you in the face. That's and it, and that's then he'd say a prayer for you. <laughs> 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 he'd, he'd be reading the Bible over you one second and then telling you, boy, I don't quite like what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I always I always attribute, because we're going to do Johnny Cash, obviously, because I love him on this show. But Johnny Cash, to me, whenever he spoke, always had this voice that he knew what was going on. You know, that, that fatherly, almost godlike voice? Well, son, if you let me talk to you for a second, I'll yeah, tell you what you need to do. And then you'd go, yes, tell me. Tell me like the a, secrets a of James the world. Earl Jones voice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he had that presence, too. So those those are our basic breakdown of the, the three main forms of music uh, that were circulating in country music in the 70s. And don't count bluegrass. <laughs> I got no time for it. Basically, it is a form of country music, but I got no time for it. Uh, and it sold very minimally, okay? No, and time, I remember uh, yeah, bluegrass fans and country fans were different. Let's say they are for the sake of I don't want to go into it because <laughs> I don't have time. But uh, Flatten Scruggs, Earl Scruggs, greatest banjo player of all time. I know him through, um, um, I've seen him jam with Steve Martin there. That's yeah. I learned about him. Beverly Hillbillies, of course. Uh, they did the Beverly Hillbillies okay. thing. And Earl Scruggs, I have, you know, I've watched Earl Scruggs, like, like Rob said, I've watched him on TV. I've heard some of his records. And he's just, he's like, I swear to God, he's like the Jimi Hendrix of the banjo. I mean, he is like, we will talk about bluegrass. Just, oh, you know what? We will have a bluegrass section because Earl Scruggs was, was very popular in the 70s. We might just have our theme of bluegrass and just have all Earl Scruggs on it for three weeks. <laughs> three Earl Scruggs albums. <laughs> it might show a little bit of bias, and but the rest, in of, charge? the rest of bluegrass, you don't really need to pay much attention to. <laughs> You're not this, allowed to even shine my boots. This is what's significant. <laughs> That's funny. Funny by me. So today's artist, by the way, I hope that 
what we talked about with the three genres of music clear things up a little bit it was uh the perfect length yeah, no i don't care about the perfect like i just hope that what we said uh shed some light on the three different types of music for people sometimes we can rant and we don't kind of make our point but i think we did about what the three types of musics are and why they're different and why you know they're also the same in in different ways anyways yeah yeah we did yeah we did okay we are spotlighting tammy wynette tonight um tammy wynette you know as far as i'm concerned is like a tragic figure ever since i've been ever since i've been growing up there's always been something wrong with her health and or her or relationships her personal life or... yeah always with her personal life and she just always seemed even when i was a little kid to be such a tragic figure and yet when you hear her sing it's like all that goes away and you just think oh this beautiful woman singing it's like wow okay like because that's that, if you didn't live in that era you didn't realize like tammy Wynette was was like gossip in those gossip magazines all the time for her health problems she was in the hospital for this and that oh she got her like eighth divorce and and then she married george jones which was you know even he admits he drank and was an asshole and you know and and that's unfortunately my immediate thing that comes to my mind where you when first the words heard Tammy of Tammy in yeah. the 70s. and it always took away from the music because I only knew Tammy Wynette from Stand By Your Man and that's really all I knew of other than the gossip that was always around her until she died also you know it's funny but she had health problems probably from the mid 70s on and then she died from health problems like like no I, I can't forget what it was but she died too early and it just seemed like such a tragic life to me but maybe it wasn't to her maybe she maybe she had a much better life than than the papers the made it out media to be. presented yeah. exactly uh and she played uh i guess starting with traditional country music with a little bit of the um nashville sound in the 60s that evolved into by the 70s the country politan with the not so much strings. The country Paulton sound was a lot more like Kenny Rogers would play in Dolly Park, which was piano based with ballads, but without tempo yeah, numbers. Yeah, more too. following a singer songwriter kind of, uh, but with less acoustic guitar. Yes, uh, very aptly put. Um, it just wasn't like Loretta Lynn. It wasn't a lot of steel guitars. It was it was mostly, uh, but there wasn't a lot of electric guitars either. It was very. Um, very ballady ballady that's yeah. the first thing i wrote down for this very kenny if you think of very kenny ballady. rogers if you think of kenny rogers and all his hits with lady and you decorated my life and and songs like that these were the heartbreaking ballads that tammy wynette was famous for and uh so we come to like i think uh rob is good at this which album is this of hers rob 17 till i can make it on my own let's see i gotta pull out the right tab oh Excuse me a second, Rob, while I pull up my tie. <laughs> Excuse me while I whip this out. Uh, this is Tammy Wynette's fifth. Very good, Rob. Very close. Fifteenth studio 15th, album. Fifteenth. Ah. Uh, there is a couple more because she did 
Well, that would a couple, a couple a more. Couple of, uh, then that would make it the seventeenth. No, she didn't. So. Well, it, it technically would, but it was duet albums with George Jones, so they're kind of in a separate category. Okay. But, but as a solo album, you're right. This is very close. Fifteenth solo album, and uh, I'll tell you right from the right from the get go, this is my favorite of the three albums we have done. This in this in the country diva section, I uh, it starts off with the title song, uh, "Till I Can Make It on My Own." The only song that is partially written by Tamia Wynette. She really yeah. wasn't a songwriter. Uh, she relied on another very uh, countrypolitan thing to do. You know, you have you have your songwriters who you write your the stable songs of you. songwriters, right? Your stable of songwriters. Oh. You have your producer who produces for you, and he gets that sound that he's supposed to get. And I'm not knocking it because I like this album a lot. Uh, I think this album has. First of all, I just want to say it starts off with, like I was saying before I interrupted myself, it starts off with a title song, Till I Can Make It On My Own. And I tell you, it starts off like one of the, those Kenny Rogers ballads, you know, with the piano. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. she starts singing and that voice is the strongest of the three singers that we've covered with Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton. She has technically the strongest voice. It just comes in like, boom. And the first song, which is the best song on the album for me, just blew me away. And unfortunately, the rest of the album didn't live up to that song. But most albums, especially in the 70s, did that. They put your explosive song. Yeah, the they kind of have a guess at which is going to be the good one. And uh, throw that up front and then uh, the rest is the rest of it. It was a common practice in a, in a non-themed or concept album was was to put your really strong song at, at first and make people say, that's good. Let's listen to the rest of the record. Of course, another popular thing was to make people wait until the end for, you know, like the second oh, last yeah, song. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But sometimes it's a gamble, though. But sometimes <laughs> they'll just get frustrated and put the, put the song right at where it's supposed to be at the end and not listen to it. Yeah. So the best, th they found out that the best thing to do, put the song either at the first or second song, and then people will say, I love that song. And then Maybe there's listen. more like Maybe that. Maybe there's more like yeah. that. Let's listen. So that, very smart. Very Sneaky smart. bastards. And, um... I just love that. I just thought her voice just blew me away on that song. And yeah, the the songs are again of the Loretta Lynn variety of I'm being cheated on. Oh my guy drinks yes. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through, yeah. through the whole album to be We've honest. We've broken up or we're breaking up, but I still have feelings for him. Yes, almost every song. And that does bug me because Dolly Parton is not like that. Dolly Parton has varied amount of songs. Like she has a song about nine to five, yeah, right? Yeah. Like working nine to five or we're our or living on the farm or various type of songs about the world character songs story songs exactly yeah. and we These always got kind of like story songs but it's all kind of uh is that they're the same story but it's the same theme right it's the same theme yeah uh which was a lot like the loretta lynn album uh these are heartbreak and hurting songs just like the loretta <laughs> and i'll tell you these would mean a whole lot more to a listener who is going through these things at the time then these would be the most powerful songs in the world but why i like that rob is because she's presenting it in a very Instead of the traditional country earth. background that, that Loretta Lynn put it, it's almost cheery, but she's talking about something like, oh, you drank too much, and now you're staying up tonight. <laughs> you're not coming in. You know, with that kind of bouncy lift, these are presented in, in kind of the way the context of the lyrics are. They're very ballad-like, yeah, and they're not, you know, if the song is downbeat, it's not going to be an upbeat 
backing or rhythm. And that's why I find this album to be very strong from beginning to end. It has a nice cohesiveness that I found that that Dolly hadn't yet achieved on her album because she was just entering the pop field. And I felt that Loretta's was a little too formulated. And again, like I said, singing the same type of songs, but sometimes I couldn't relate because she was singing it really bouncy. And it was like, you're not coming home tonight. You know, it's like, <laughs> I just didn't, it just didn't resonate with me as hitting me like as a heartbreaking song when it's They're done the wrong style. Yeah. yeah and then like, not the wrong style, but the wrong style for us, I think, you know, to listen to, you know what I mean? Like the, like it, uh, if you're a country fan who still listens to like country 95% of the time, it might resonate with you. But for us, we're used to kind of like a different type of music and uh, where the lyrics a lot of the time reflect the music being played. Yeah, uh, the, 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 there's not so much of a discrepancy between the mood and the uh, like, uh, the bounce doesn't work with uh, with heartbreak. But did <laughs> you got the bounce. Bounce and heartbreak, <laughs> they don't mix. You can't put them in the same cup did, and drink them. Did the kind of lack of diverseness on this album bug you at all did yes yeah i thought so because <laughs> it did get to me that's why i mentioned it i was it was very ballady and uh i i wrote a whole lot of whole notes being played mm -hmm. strings uh guitar bass uh I, yeah the, the two three minute songs uh i i always shied away from them because uh Longer songs strike me more as stories, more as pieces of art, more as things that are, uh, t yeah, telling stories. These tell stories, but they're shorter. They're, uh, I, t I tend to view shorter formulated songs as being more like commercials. Mm -hmm. And uh, d d these weren't exactly like that. And I find with the country music I've listened to lately, they're better crafted songs than pop songs because uh, as much as a pop song might take one good sentence and then write a bunch of stuff around it. These take that one good line and actually have a, a pretty good story around them that uh, resonates with you, that uh, connects, that uh, entertains. Yeah. So I like that. I like the songwriting. I like the singing. But uh, as an album, I, I thought it was uh, a little uh, ballady, syrupy for me. That's a personal uh, taste. It thing. is, but it's funny how I took that as a cohesiveness to it. Yes. It depends on how you listen to it, I guess. I did find myself uh, drifting off and uh, sometimes forcing myself to uh, to listen. Uh, really? That's interesting because I, I was very drawn to this album. I, I just thought it was so centered, whereas, especially with Loretta Lynn's album, Entertainer of the Year, it just seemed like we're doing 50 songs, you know. So this uh, to you had a bit more of an album type theme. Yes, I, I felt this was more like, let's get these 10 songs really good for this album, for this time of that album. Like, it, there seems to be a lot of craftsmanship. There seems to be a lot of care in picking which song comes after the next. And um, and even though Dolly definitely makes better albums than this, and she would, it, the album that I that picked we reviewed, yeah. was just was just her trying the first album in Los Angeles. It was an embryonic was, version I, of what she was. Like uh, I said, it yeah. was a transition album, and yeah. I can't blame her for that. But no, you learn why, about stuff by doing it, and if you never do it, you're never going to learn exactly. about it and get good at it. And... But that's why I say it came out a little bit uneven. I didn't have any qualms about any of the songs, but it just seemed like it went from here to here to here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and this, to me, 
was a solid album. And yes, I agree. Like, if you're not in the mood to hear ballad after ballad, heartbreaking ballads, heartbreaking ballads, then it can be boring and it can be not to your taste. But I actually found it to be definitely the album that uh, I felt was as an album was the strongest of the three. Of the three. Yeah. And um, again, I, I just other than the, the first song, uh, the title song, I can't really talk about too much of the individual songs. Uh, we've heard a lot of country music in the last three weeks. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. <laughs> and uh, but um, there's a, there, some very good points, and I kind of anticipated, to be honest with you, that's what you would say that it was a little bit too ballady uh, and a little bit too monotonous uh, all the way through. Yeah, and like I say, that's a personal thing for me. That's. Uh... I know what grabs me in music and uh, lyrically, the songwriting and the singing caught me, but I want to say it was, it was too much too long. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I, <clears throat> and it was only like, I know, like it was 28 only... minutes long, <laughs> but I know what you mean because I had a hard time, to be honest with you, with the Loretta Lynn album. And that was only like 27 minutes long. But to me, it just, like I said, it was like a, hitting me like a wall. It was I was so emotionless about it that I was going, you know, looking at the watch. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna be done this in a bit, and then I can move on. You know, to the this next is thing. nice, but it doesn't move me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's nothing terrible about it, but it just doesn't move me. Yeah. Well, did. That's the way I was with this album. See, that's funny because that had the opposite <laughs> effect. It actually affected me because the music was so more suitable to the lyrics. But it was like that song after song after song, and that can get to you if you're yeah. not in the right mood. Or I was waiting for the team. songs that weren't ballads, and I think I counted about two of them. So. Right. One thing I have to mention before we kind of end our country divas thing is that the one thing about country music that sometimes works, but most of the time kind of gets on my nerves, is the is the use of the title at the end of the chorus which is like <laughs> oh you know you sing you sing a whole bunch of and it just yeah builds to it's that, like that's the point, to the the point of the song and uh now you know the point by yes, reading the title you're talking to the woman with the world's most broken heart like it's an <laughs> emphasis the title as the very last line of the of the chorus or of the stanza and you just after listening to three albums like this like we have in a row you just notice it even more and you go i guess that's a country cliche and in some ways it works and in some ways you kind of get can you write differently because <laughs> there are so many songs and that's why you get a song like uh, yeah if, there's no surprises off the title <laughs> there's no surprises off the title and and then all the time they're not having, out to trick you having the title at the end like you know it's coming to that where the person is going to be i love you so much but you can be replaced <laughs> you know the, where where you can be replaced is is used as 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 a title plus always kind of like the punchline. yes <laughs> at the end as as songwriters That's part of the structure of the uh, the old country and we're talking yes that is the structure of country music now rob and i are songwriters we've written many songs and this is just not our domain we don't write songs like that we may no. write them with with uh, the title at the end once or twice but not in the way that they do it it's almost no, like you kind of want each one to be different it's like uh 
you do one this style this week, uh, you might want to try a different style next week. Uh, yeah, uh, you're always thinking. I don't different. want people predicting what's going to happen. You're always, as a songwriter in our medium, you're always thinking about. I don't want to repeat what I just wrote, yes. but it seems like they're trying to repeat <laughs> everything that they wrote. We got so the formula hit. down. <laughs> yeah. It's the perfect formula. Keep going with the formula. And you know what? That's why things like the Bakersfield sound and the the outlaw, the outlaw country music was was were necessary. Was born, yeah, yeah, because they were tired of the Nashville and sound. And it was going to keep outside. going like that. They were exactly. just getting bullied. They were, they were bullied. They were given songs like this, and they said, "Well, can I use my songs? We can use some of them, but we think this is going to be a hit." And they would say, "I don't care. <laughs> I want to make an artistic statement." And they would go, "What? What? I don't know what." Can you get the definition uh, of that? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's not what we do around here. <laughs> Maybe you better Google some. We make songs. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, and this is probably going to surprise you, Rob, uh, but I'm going to give Timmy Wynette's Till I Can Make It On My Own four stars. I did really like this album. I I, okay. I know that makes you kind of cringe, but I really did. You know? It doesn't make me cringe. It's just uh, you're hearing it differently than I'm hearing it. Uh, I gave it a three star. I thought it was... Uh, which I like thought I you say, would with what you said. The and singing I agree with that. And the uh, songwriting, uh, really good, but uh, it didn't it didn't grab me. No, I uh, I I understand not only what you're saying, but if anybody else said it too, because it is it is all ballads except for maybe one or two songs hidden in there, really quick songs. And I understand that. It's just that I kind of liked it. And I might not like it if she did another album and it turned out like the songs weren't as strong or they were a little bit lax. But it seems like they were really concentrated for some reason on this album. And, they, and for me, it just sat, it just gelled. And for, for you, it was just boring. And I understand, you know, both points. That's why you're here. Yes. <laughs> that's why I'm here because we're not supposed to echo each other like we do 80% of the time. <laughs> Come in one person. Here's the album. This is what it is. Uh, goodbye. Gotta go. What was that? Five minutes? Okay. So now that's a podcast. Uh, me really likey. <clears throat> Rob, not so much. <laughs> me less. So. A little bit less. So remember. Not dislikey, just not like. Next week is our special episode. We really want you to tune in of Sounds from the 70s. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Until then, may the good Lord take a liking to you and um, shine your shoes. Oh. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> good, good day. I just write around.